Welcome back to another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Today is a very interesting day. Uh, I'm going to go off about Disney real quick. Today, you no longer need a reservation to get into Galaxy's Edge. So for everybody heading to the parks today, I hope it's not super miserable. I'm actually going to be heading there in a couple hours of you guys listening to this episode. Um, if you're listening on the Monday, it drops, but it should be insane. I'm really curious to see how the park flows with everybody having full access to the entire park now. But uh, I'm sure I'll report back in a future episode with Garrett. I'm trying to get him in here so we can do another Disney episode, uh, which is long overdue. But this week we have a very special guest. It always makes me feel good when I get in contact with somebody and ask them to be on the podcast and when they respond back and they're super excited and sound um, very stoked to be on, um, gets me pretty amped because I try to not, uh, I'm trying to figure out how I, I should word this, I don't it just still blows my mind that people are willing to take time out of their day and sit here with me for hours and just talk to me. So the fact that people are so willing to come on and just have a real conversation with me blows my mind. And I'm super appreciative of everybody that's willing to come on and do that for me and for you guys, because I, I do this not only for me, but I, I want to put this out there um, for everybody to hear, because I feel like the things that we're talking about, people want to hear. So thank you guys again for tuning in. Without further ado, welcome Jack Compton to the podcast. Excited to finally get you on the podcast. I know I just kind of I'm hit you up out of nowhere and asked you to be on. So I, I just want to say uh, thank you for being down to come on the podcast. Of course, man, and thank you for bringing me up. I'm stoked to uh, sit here and kind of like shoot shit with you about you know whatever it is you want to talk about, whether it's Queensway or Adrenaline. Yeah, I, I guess we can uh, kind of start with uh, Queensway. I last saw you guys. It was. Um, 2018 it was at the uh, the observatory in Santa Ana you guys played with Omega Point Vane Ringworm and Harm's Way yeah def I actually remember that show specifically because Omega Point sick they were super sick that was like the first time I think I had uh heard of them but you know I love like most most bands that come up in California are all like they're just hits I don't know what it is it's like a vibe out there but it's always hits out there it's really strange um, that we 
continuously put out good bands like and it's not just from like one concentrated area either it's literally from like the san diego scene orange county scene la scene even um up north san francisco santa cruz like all those bands california just continues to put out good bands and it's uh kind of awesome to be from here yeah for sure i totally totally understand and it's very sick it's like i feel like you know i could make the argument for out east it's it's like a similar thing but the wave is definitely a little different because it's like, I don't know if it's because we have different states, you know, and it like helps further separate different, you know, like scenes or maybe it's the exact same. Who knows? But at least from my point of view, it seems like California is more. Uh, everything lines up more. You know what I mean? Like from scene to scene to scene. Yeah, I definitely get that. I, I'm like always fascinated with like the East Coast, how the states are so close together, but there's so many different scenes that are next to each other. Yeah. Like, I uh, think it's just like there's just so many people and there's so many people starting bands and there's so many bands that like try to, I don't know, push the envelope of what is and isn't, you know, like quote unquote, okay. And that's like one of the coolest things I feel like I see on the East Coast is there a lot of like, there's just a lot of bands doing different things. You know what I mean? And that that might come with the territory of so many different like cities or again, scenes within the cities. Because even New York, I feel like has like three or four different scenes within itself. You know what I mean? So it's kind of cool to see. Even Baltimore, like we have a different scene between just the city and county. And that's been one of the biggest things that I've noticed, at least in the past couple of years, being one of the most prevalent things. So um, are you from uh, Baltimore proper? So where I was born, yes. And then my parents, when they, uh, so I was like five or six years old and my parents actually got divorced. And when they got divorced, my mom and dad both moved deeper into the county. So I grew up in the county. Okay. So um speaking of like um in hardcore terms uh uh you're from the baltimore scene uh, do you like cross pollinate with like uh delaware philly or do you just tend to stick in baltimore um a little bit yeah i definitely think more when i was first getting into um when i was first diving into the scene of hardcore like specifically like making friends you know like the normal social aspect of it is when i started to travel and I think the first place I ended up traveling was New Jersey. And that's because of Patrick. Like, Patrick sings for Queensway, and his girlfriend, Megan, lives in New Jersey. And when we first started off, that was, like, I'm not even sure how exactly it happened. We just, like, ended up there. You know what I mean? So we, like, ended up playing Jersey a ton. And that's, like, where I made my first amount of friends. So I would, like, drive up to Jersey. Plus, they were doing back-to-school jam, which, you know, was doing its final year this year. But I would go to that. And whenever I had an excuse to go up there, I'd go and see a show. And then I think Delaware was next and then Philly. So for me, it was Jersey, Delaware, then Philly. But ultimately, like we were just saying, it's kind of all integrated in its, in its own thing. But then again, like you do have specifics within each that kind of separate itself. Like Jersey, you know, like you have like this regular Jersey hardcore scene that's just like, I don't want to say like you're running the mill bands, but it's just like a plethora of bands doing different sounds. And then you have like the shore and the shore is more specific and definitely has its own vibe separate from the rest of Jersey hardcore, you know? Okay. And how long is that drive from like, uh, Baltimore to Jersey? Probably like two, two and a half hours, just depending. 
on you know the day. Yeah, that's. I would say like two, two and a half for sure. That's not a bad drive at all because that's about like um, if I'm in like from Orange County, if I want to drive down to like San Diego, that's like about a um, two a two hour drive, two and a half hour drive, which is depending right. on traffic. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's cool though that I, it doesn't take that long to travel across state lines because I, I I definitely feel um, when it comes to different states and their scenes, there's like a bigger change than from when I drive down to like. A San Diego show or if I, I drive like 40 minutes west to like an LA show like things don't switch up that much I got you like the, like you see similar faces yeah yeah the, like a I, lot of like similar faces right I got you because uh, um, we get like pretty much like every major tour to come through so uh, a lot of people like to take advantage and um, hit multiple dates of the same tour since it's not that bad of a drive to get to the shows. I see. Yeah. A lot of times I think with major tours, if you wanted to like include Baltimore in with like Philly, even DC, Jersey, all that, depending on the size of the tour and I guess like the bands and how they do, we'll either get like one, maybe two of the dates, you know? So it's like, Again, like with the drive being chill, we don't usually get to hit multiple dates of a tour, but, you know, we'll usually always end up getting one of the dates relatively close. And it's not that bad of a drive for like bigger tours. For sure. Um, one thing I, I wanted to ask you about uh, Queensway uh, this year, it, it seems like you guys have kind of um, you guys have like laid low because like based off your mm-hmm. Twitter, from what I can see, you guys have only played uh, two shows th- this year. Um, honestly, it's crazy. I don't even know how many shows we played this year. We, we really have been, uh, laying low. Um, so basically the timeline went after that, uh, harm's way tour, which was about a year ago at this point, actually over a year, but, um, we did that and then we had a bunch of other stuff lined up, but, um, you know, life happens and sometimes you got to just prioritize things as you see fit, you know, like when reality strikes, you kind of have no other option than to to face it head on and handle it as time goes. And unfortunately for our position, we were, you know, trying to push this band as far as we could off of Swift Minds, which, and, you know, and we're so grateful that we are able to even get opportunities that we still do, but, you know, we had to take time off to get things focused at home on all of our ends. And, you know, like, it's kind of cool that we're talking today about it because um, we're in the process of just getting the, the new record finally finished done it's ready to go we just getting it sorted out on our end and we'll be able to put it out and start playing shows again and uh, how many uh tracks are gonna be on this new record it's gonna be five songs okay hell yeah that's sick um so you guys uh just played that show with jesus peace uh that was like last week right oh yeah jesus peace and sanction yep in connecticut and um and as far as i know the only thing you guys have lined up um, uh in the future is th- this is hardcore yep there's other stuff but that'll all that'll all come through as time goes on like i was saying like we're definitely we're in a position now where we're able to pick up where we left off you know okay we just get the new music out first since there's been you know the, all that time off and is there like a like a like a window when you guys are going to release the new record not really. I mean, I guess there is, like, in theory, by the end of summer, you know what I mean? But I, I wouldn't want to be like, oh, New Queensway is coming by the end of summer, you know what I mean? Because I don't know for sure. Yeah. 
So um, what's holding you guys back? Because you said you, um, you just finished recording the record. Yeah. Well, so the record's kind of been done, not done at the same time. Uh, I, I actually recorded, me and Phil and Alex, we all recorded like the instrumentals like, uh, like I think it was like a week after the Harm's Way tour ended. Because again, we were, we were on a roll. So we had like everything planned and in line. And then kind of everything just took a back seat for a while trying to get things taken care of at home. So with that, it took about a year, I would say about a year for Patrick to go in and finish the vocals. And then like, after that point, then, then it's mixing and sending the tracks back and forth between us and our producer, Len, kind of like nailing the sound that we want and getting all the effects, you know, like the nooks and crannies of the tracks, getting all that figured out. So it's been a process for sure. But like, that's really all that's like held us back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just trying to like organize everything and get it all lined up. Okay. Um, well, I'm definitely stoked to hear that. Um, you guys are coming out with new music and planning to pick up where you left off because it was like strange to me, uh, like when a band with like that much momentum just kind of, um, just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely wasn't like an intentional thing. Like we weren't like, you know, we were, we were ready for everything that was happening. You know what I mean? Like personally, like in our lives, everything, you know what I mean? But then again, like sometimes things just happen where you know, like, I don't know even how else to explain it. Just life, life is life. And you kind of got to just roll with the punches sometimes. Yeah. No, well, I, I'm definitely glad you guys were um, smart enough to take care of um, the important stuff and still be able to do this band instead of just exactly. calling it quits. Exactly. Exactly. Cause that's like, that's kind of exactly how it would have went down. And it's no bad blood between any of us. Like we're all best friends. We've all known each other for so long. And I think that's one of the reasons why, like, the transition between us having the momentum and touring, you know what I mean? Like, and having all the stuff lined up to us kind of happen to be like, well, let's pump the brakes. Let's take care of some shit at home. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why we were able to kind of get through that without, you know, just kind of being like, Oh, well, you know what? Let's just break up. You know what I mean? Cause like, I feel like it is super easy for bands, especially people that may not be like brothers and just kind of be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just like call it quits and start other bands and we'll continue on with our lives. But without sounding like totally like in love with my own band, you know what I mean? But like we, I mean, we all really do love what we do and we like, we are definitely like expressing ourselves completely through this band. So it means a lot more to us than just playing some hardcore shows, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that's awesome that you guys definitely have that bond and are willing to you know do it all together because it's easy to get, um, you know, caught up in, uh, you know, um, ego and, I'm just wanting to exactly. do other stuff, but the, the fact that you guys are all able to be on the same page is like super cool. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so with Queensway, um, you know, like about to rebuild and um, come back, um, you're in another band called Adrenaline. Can you talk about how mm -hmm. um, that came together? Yeah, sure. So Adrenaline has a few different moments in time that kind of lined up to make it happen. So our guitarist, Joseph, he, um, I don't remember exactly when I met him, but he, he's been going to shows for a while too. He's like, he like grew up in, into punk music just completely by his parents and stuff like that. So he's been around the shit for way longer than like any of us have. So when we met, it was, uh, it was kind of interesting. I don't even remember how we met, but we met and he and I just connected 
on like a specific style, just like 90s alternative metal and rock, shit like Helmet, Smashing Pumpkins, you know, the obvious bands, Hum. And we just like connected from that. And I always told him, I was like, yo, like I've actually always wanted to do a band that kind of like had that vibe. And he was like, dude, same. So we were like, fuck it, we'll start a band. And we toyed around with that idea pretty much for like two or three months, kind of like jamming songs, writing stuff. And then right at that three month timeline, it was like Swift Minds dropped. So that kind of just like, I don't, it didn't like take off. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying I like took off, but it definitely took my attention. You know what I mean? So it's like once Queensway dropped, it kind of like, I, not that I forgot about this other band that I want to start, but that like just became my focus. So then while we were doing the Queensway stuff, I had pitched the idea to Alex and Phil. I was like, yo, like, me and Joe are trying to start this band that sounds like X, Y, and Z. And throughout all the touring, through all of the stuff we do on Queensway, we, we kind of like wrote an EP, which is what you're hearing now, the Adrenaline, six, uh, the six-song demo EP, whatever you want to call it. So like we kind of wrote all that in the midst of all the touring and playing shows at Queensway. And then as soon as the, the break happened with Queensway, it was just like, oh, this is perfect time. Let's just do this, you know? Which again, at this, it kind of also took a while for us to get going because it kind of came at a surprise that we were even doing the band. So when that break happened, I kind of just like committed to just trying to get my thoughts out and how I wanted the lyrics and like what I wanted that to be like, because that's a whole new world for me. I'd never written lyrics. I'd never like done vocals like that or anything like that. So it was like all brand new. So it took a couple months and we got that down and we, you know, we recorded it and we just like, we were just going to put it out ourselves and just play some shows off of it. Not really do anything, you know, nothing serious. Just like a fun side band for us. But um, I think in the midst of all that, uh, Che, who helps run Flat Spot Records, like him and Ricky run that label, he got put onto a gentleman. Um, I want to say it was that we did like, Queensland did like a little tour with TUI. And in Baltimore, Che came out. I think Patrick was talking to him about the other band I was doing. And so that's like, me and Che had already known each other, but he didn't know about this other band. But so Patrick put the word in to Che, like, yo, you should check out, like, talk to Jack about his other band. And, I mean, I sent it to Che, and he was just like, I think I actually sent it to him. And the next thing you know, I got a text from Ricky. And Ricky's like, they basically, no, I was in a group chat with both of them. And they were like, yo, like, let's put it out. Let's, let's do it. So I was like, all right shit and it was like two days from the day that we were going to release it like i already had it set up it was going to drop on spotify and everything and they were just like no 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 no. let's delete all of it let's redo it let's like build it up proper and like do a real release for it and i think after setting up the release and making it more of a like making it bigger than what we had anticipated already just out of the just purely off the aesthetic of it you know what i mean like just i feel like the project really has come into its own rather than just being this side forgettable band that we wanted to do just for fun it's really kind of like grown more of our identity and we're, we're really attaching ourselves more to it than i think we even anticipated so it's it's been a really cool ride already and we've just gotten it started but we're we're super stoked on it and getting flat spot involved was really one of the one of the big moments for me because i mean i've always loved flat spot and i like the way that they handle things i love the bands they put out their ethics are great so it's it's really come into its own and lined up to be a really special uh, moment for all of us. Can you talk about, um, you guys recorded the, um, six tracks in New Jersey. 
Yeah, so we actually recorded the adrenaline tracks with uh, Len, who did Swift Minds, and he's doing the new Queensland release too. And of course, naturally, I went to him with uh, my new project, Adrenaline. Len is uh, Len's great. Len is absolutely great. I love the way he records. I love how serious he takes it. I love how serious he takes us. He's just an awesome guy. I met him. I want to say I met him. I don't remember what year it was, but Queensway, one of our first like shows that we ever got put on was uh, we play. We opened up for Integrity in Baltimore with Chokehold when they did their return. We got to open that, and that's how I met Len because he had come out to that show. He may have been working sound that day because I know he works with Sonny from Hate Five Six, and he like helps him with his sound editing and stuff like that. So I met him there actually, and we like sat down at like some bar or like restaurant in Baltimore, and we had like a really like serious conversation. Like I was kind of intimidated, which is hilarious because like I usually am just like mad chill and don't let shit like that get to me. But for some reason, meeting him the first time, it was, like, super serious. And we were, like, sitting down at this restaurant. He was like, yo, like, we're going to record this record and do this, this, and this, and all this. And I was just like, bro, everything I've ever recorded, I've recorded in my bedroom. I don't know what you're even talking about. But he's awesome. He, he's really great. He's, like I said, he's super passionate about what he does. And he's super serious about it at the same time. It's great. Hell yeah. I like to hear that, um, you know, there's people out there that are willing to, you know, take this serious and want to see you guys do good. Yeah, exactly. He pushes us. Like he really would push us to not, not, not to write better, but to, to just, you know, like, I don't even know what the word is. Cause it's not like being serious. It's not like being serious is going to get you anywhere. Cause that's not like what I mean by that. Cause being too serious can be annoying and try hardish. He just, I don't know, he just, he, he has a good balance to him and it rubs off on you, especially when you're in the studio, like recording stuff and it helps everything come together for sure. So when you guys played that integrity show, um, do you guys have any um, recordings done? Uh, we had, so the, in the early stages of Queensway, I think we did like two demos. Okay. But the way that we did it is we did this first demo and then we just like i think we went to somebody to record it who does like pop punk bands and shit like that like we were kids when we did this it was some random fucking dude i don't even know how we met him but uh so we had like this shitty ass demo and then we did another shitty demo but this second one we did we did in like my bedroom that, that i like grew up in and like i recorded it all you know what i mean like i like sat on my computer and we i fucking did everything i could to make it sound as good as i could and um when we released that, I think we did like the other three songs too, but I like re-recorded it. So we did like an EP, but it essentially was just two demos we threw together that sounded like two different identities of Queensway. Cause like this first demo, I remember it was like when we first started playing shows. So it was like, I don't even know how to explain it. It was all over the place influence wise. And then the second one was like a little bit more focused. So we had like this really just, bad ep you know what i mean yeah but in the process of talking to len um that was a weird time now that i think about it it was a really weird time so in the process of talking to len we had already planned on recording another three songs like another demo which was like at this point we started to really figure out what we were doing and we went to a friend of ours in pennsylvania and recorded like in his garage and did Fuel for the Darkest Man, this song called Born Into Bondage, and Incinerate. Now, that demo, that was the one that was out, I think, when Len talked to us. 
but it wasn't out yet. It was like we were in the middle of recording it. You know what I mean? Okay. So like what we had out already was bad, like really bad. So I'm sure now it makes sense why he was probably like, yo, like you guys are good, but you guys got to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like it definitely made sense. Yeah, no, it's definitely cool that um, even with those bad recordings out that he could, you know, see the potential in you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I understand it. And even when he said it then, it's not even like I took offense to it because I totally knew what he was talking about. You know what I mean? Like, we're all super, I don't know, like, we're realistic. You know what I mean? Like, we know what our limits are and what we can and can't do. So it's like when someone just called it out or, like, said it to us, we never, like, got offended. It was just like, oh shit like that makes sense i understand that and it's like okay well what can i do to make it better or what can i do to not do that again you know what i mean yeah that's that's crazy um that you guys were able to meet him and actually move into the right direction instead of just um putting out uh like demo after demo because did you guys have any plans um like after the demo in the garage in pennsylvania do you guys have like do you guys try to plan anything like a full length or an ep after that it's so funny because like i'm so like i know i'm really forward thinking and i'll get carried away sometimes so i definitely remember after we had the two shitty demos out i know for a fact that i was definitely the one in the band like yo we should do a full length like let's just record a whole full length and let's conceptualize and let's do this i can get like really calculated so i know for a fact that i definitely was the one who was probably like yo like i got all these crazy plans like are you guys down you know what i mean Mm-hmm. But Patrick, honestly, Patrick is kind of the yin to that to that yang because he is the perfect like I don't know. Patrick is he pulls me down to earth so fucking quick. It's incredible. But it's not like I said. It's, it's like we're we're all brothers, so it's so like we have such a tight bond, and it really works out. But he definitely is the one who like would chill my ass out with that kind of stuff because I know for a fact I'd get carried away and be like, "Yo, I got all these plans." But to answer your question. No, we did not have any. We, there's there's no way we actually had any solid plans. Because I remember we did that demo and we were just like, like even the song Incinerate, there's like this just breakdown at the end of it with a shotgun in it. Like we were just messing around. You know what I mean? Like we weren't taking anything serious at that point. We were just like writing the, the heaviest style of Baltimore hardcore. You know what I mean? Like we would listen to like Next Step Up and Stout even TUI, like the earlier TUI stuff. And we just listened to all that shit and be like, yo, how do we fucking, how do we one up all of this? You know what I mean? And we were like, let's just get goofy with it. And that's kind of like what that demo was. But it also had that side of Queensway that I think a lot of people notice on Swift Minds and what we're focusing on now, which is more of the artistic side of what we do. Because again, like, we've always considered it to be a very serious thing and there's a lot of passion that goes into it, but there were definitely moments where we kind of like fucked around and, you know, just have fun. Cause it's ultimately what it's about. Like it's, I mean, we're talking about hardcore, you know what I mean? Like nobody wants to go to a show to like, people want to fucking mosh and have fun. You know what I mean? Like it's not that serious. And a lot of times people take shit too serious and then that's when the fun kind of gets sucked out of shit. Yeah, I, I'm always curious about like that um, that line where, um, you know, it's like you guys are in a hardcore band because you're doing it because you love hardcore. But then like there's some bands where it kind of turns into like a business. Yeah, for sure. And um, well, the thing is, if, if a band turns it into a business, if they're on the level to do that, then no one's going to bat an eye. No one's going to judge them. You know what I mean? Like it all makes sense. 
But again, kind of like going back to what we were talking about, like people get carried away sometimes and they'll forget like, oh shit, that's right. I am in a hardcore band. Like I should, I shouldn't be like obsessing over this or that. You know what I mean? Like it's super, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic, but it, it kind of extends through all styles of music. So I don't want to sit here and like attack hardcore because it's not that. It's just human nature and people just kind of like desire, like their desire for more in life. So people will always try and like almost exploit themselves just to kind of like get the most out of life. And it's just like, again, it's yin and yang. There's like, you got to find the balance in everything. So um, with Queensway, um, like in a perfect world, like how far would you want it to go? Well, I mean, I guess the, the short answer is as far as it takes us. Because I know all of us, like, we all grew up loving music. We're, we all love music of all, like, just in general. And I know we all see ourselves playing music, and that's, like, what we would want to do. So as far as it takes us, it's really up to that. Again, like, it's, it's a natural order of things, and you can't, like, yeah, you can be a go-getter, and you can you can do what you want to do, but at the same time, it, you kind of got to leave a lot of things up to fate and kind of see where it takes, takes you. Honestly, it's really it. Okay. I'm, I'm down with that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with Queensway, fate is kind of taking you guys pretty far so far because, you know, going back to those two demos, then you meeting Len, um, I feel like that was all by chance. Cause like you said earlier, like you didn't have any plans, um, after that third demo. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even have plans after Swift Minds release. I remember before Swift Minds dropped, there was times where I, even I was like, yo, like maybe, maybe we should just like do this record and that's it. Yeah. Like, we'll do this record. We'll play some shit and then just call it quits and we could start another band if we want something that's got more focus and direction. Cause that's the one thing I think everybody like even our closest friends, like that was the thing Queensway didn't have was focus and direction. Like I specifically remember a conversation with um with Tyler, Tyler Mullen. He sings for Year of the Night. I remember talking to him in Delaware, and when the this demo dropped, that was we intentionally focused our direction. That was the thing he said. He was like, "This, it sounds like you guys know what you're doing now, and it's awesome." And then kind of like that, like hearing that from like a friend that, you know, like, and his, I value his opinion. So hearing that kind of like, that stuck with me, you know what I mean? So it's like that we carried on with us to Swift Minds. Swift Minds did what it did and doing the touring, we found ourselves more. We discovered what it is that we want out of music, what it is we want out of life in general and kind of all those things intertwined. And then, you know, the things, ha like I said, like situations at home were happening. So all that is inspiration to us, and that all kind of culminates into this thing, which is what Queensway is. You know what I mean? So it's like all that kind of like we all embody all of it, and that's why like now it's like we see our we see Queensway as being a hardcore band, obviously, but it's it's more artistic than that. There's more passion in it than just like what it was for us a few years ago. You know. And at any point while you were on tour with Queensway, did it just seem? crazy to you that this band that initially didn't have any direction was now out on the road doing some of like the biggest tours across America? I mean, yeah, I would say yes and no. So I would say yes, it was definitely crazy because it was, there were definitely times where we would kind of all be like, yo, what the fuck? We're in Oklahoma and we're playing to like 250 kids. Like that's crazy. That's random. You know what I mean? We'd be like, 
little things like that. It was the little things like that that, like, blew us away. But then at the same time, we also understood that we we saw this as, like, everything in, that was happening, we saw it as, like, a stepping stone for us. It's like we're learning from all this, and we need to grow from it and separate ourselves from the moments that are happening now and the things that are happening now that we don't like and the things that we want to change. We got to grow from this and not allow us to get too attached to it. You know what I mean? So it's like, cause if you get so caught up in all that and like, like you were saying, it's kind of like the whole ego thing. You can kind of get caught up in it and being like, and think of yourself way higher than you really are. And that's counterproductive to just life in general. Yeah, definitely get that. There's um, been points where I've gotten certain guests to uh, like agree to come on the podcast and like it just blew me away that they were willing to come on to my podcast um, at the time. And then, um, you know, getting sorts of like, you know, all sorts of like follows from people, messages that people are listening. I'm not going to lie. There was a point where I was like, oh, crap, like I'm actually starting to get like a following doing this. This is kind of cool. But then um, I like follow like a lot of YouTubers and listen to like a lot of different podcasts. So I was like, you know what? I was like, this is the point where I'm going to realize that I'm not going to get an ego. I'm just going to stay humble and just continue to do what I do so I can just continue to grow the podcast and just be myself and not let this like uh, turn me into something that I'm not. Exactly. Because then you lose the authenticity of what it is that even got you to where you are, you know? So that's kind of just like, how it goes even on tour like you'll have nights where you feel like on top of the world you know what i mean like you have the craziest reaction you'll sell a ton of merch you'll make a ton of money whatever and then the next day could be the exact opposite none of those moments judge like none of those moments define who you are you know so it's like that's not you can't get too attached to things okay it's just like everything else in life nothing at all lasts forever so it's like you kind of got to pick and choose from everything, learn from it all and just roll with the punches. Yeah. And I'm definitely uh, down with that. Cause I've, I've learned not to get attached so easily and I've learned to exactly. not really like let my feelings get hurt. Like when I do this podcast. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like um, taught me a lot. Like, you know, just kind of doing this, um, I, and I've said this a million times before, so I'm sure people are sick of hearing it, but like, I, um, excuse me, I, I do like this whole thing, like probably like 95% by myself. There's definitely some key people behind the scenes, um, who, uh, connect me with certain people, but for the most part, I do like all the recording, the editing the promotion. So, um, it's it certainly taught me a lot. Yeah, exactly. And that's good to hear that you, um, you know, you got to keep your head on straight. No matter what it is you do in life, you got to just stay focused and do your thing. Okay. So um, one thing that I've always been um, curious about, it, um, the name Queensway, um, was there a reason you guys picked that? Or is there some special meaning behind it? There's no special meaning, but it's definitely just a road. It's a road in, um, i trying to think of the exact neighborhood. It's like in Baltimore. You know what I mean? It's just a road in Baltimore. Okay. Right off Dundalk Avenue, which is hilarious because, like, that's where we're from. Well, Patrick and I are from – well, Patrick, me, and Alex. We grew up in a town called Dundalk, which is, like – I think it's, like, one of the biggest communities – or it's, like, one of the biggest towns in the county of Baltimore or in Baltimore in general. And it's, like, half in the city, half out, so it's got a very different dynamic than a lot of other parts. Okay. But Queensway is, like, right on the line 
of city and county. All right. Well, um, thank you for that. I, I was always curious because it was like kind of like an interesting name to me. So, um, oh, it's definitely a weird. There's there's so many times where like I'll see our name just being mentioned, or just I'll see it, and I'll just be like, what? Like what? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, what? Like it's so bizarre to me. I'm just like, what the fuck? But it's cool. I mean, it works. So whatever. Hell yeah. Okay. So um, jumping back to adrenaline. Um, I was uh, on your Instagram and I noticed that you posted a, um, a picture of you like um, with like your uh, laptop and there's an image um, of like this adrenaline logo. Um, was that yeah. a, was that a part of like the original rollout before um, Flat Spot hit you up? No, that so that's just like I have like so with adrenaline, I don't know what it is. I have like this crazy. I wouldn't even call it an obsession. I just have like this constant ideas flowing through my head with like how I want merch and the aesthetic and all that to look. Cause to me, that's so fun. And I didn't never like with Queensway, it's a different thing. Like I never really did that. But with, with a journal and it's like, I have like a very personal attachment to not only the music, but what it, everything about it. You know what I mean? So I'm always working on designs and I'm always working on just logos and all these things. And that's just a logo I love because it's like, it's got the Lakers colors and it's like this goofy ass, like squished logo of the name. And I'm probably going to like put it on shorts or like a yellow shirt or something bizarre, but that's just me being dumb and just like plugging it in a picture. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I um, saw you post that and I was like, huh, I was like, I've never seen that on anything or used for any kind of promo. So I I was just curious, like what that was for. It's it's merch. Yeah. It's going to be all merch. Okay, yeah. hell yeah, um, and uh, you, you guys' first show, it was a pretty sick lineup. It was um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It was uh, Vane, you guys, um, God, who else was on that? Oh, uh, Queensway and no, Wolves, uh, and Wolves Blood. Um, yeah. So okay, so that that show is that show was a nightmare. Like setting it up was just it was so many different moving parts. So basically. The show, like, originally, it was, like, I okay, so Queensway was playing a festival in Baltimore. We got asked to play this fest, like, last minute because Wisdom and Chains dropped. Okay. So we played that, and we were at the show, and Anthony, it was Anthony and Jeremy from Vane. They both, like, just texted me. was like, yo, like, we have a couple off days on our tour. Let's do Vane Adrenaline. Like, let's just do your guys' first show. And I was like, oh, well, fuck yeah. Like, let's just do it. So we were, like, in the process setting it up. And then originally we had, it was like four different venues and they were all super dumb, like annoying ass rules, like 21 plus 18 plus it would have to start at like 11 PM at night or it would have to start at like noon. You know what I mean? Cause like there was another show in the area going on. It was turnstile. Okay. So like, obviously we're not trying to like book our show over turnstile. Right. So we were trying to figure that out, getting everything moved around. So the original lineup was that, but then we ended up just doing Bane and adrenaline. And it was going to start at 11 p.m. because we found like an all ages venue, which was like 150 cap room. No, I'm sorry. Not even like 100, 100 cap room. And that's being generous. So it was sick. It was an amazing show. I'm super grateful that like, like our friends in vain were so like, it was their idea. So even, you know what I mean? Like just that in and of itself was a big, a big deal to all of us. And I was super stoked about it. And Queensway did end up playing. So we dropped and then played anyway. You guys, uh, oh, um, so you dropped from like the original lineup, and then you guys just um, yeah, jump back on. Yeah, we didn't play it anyway. 
Okay. Yeah, because Joey. So Joey, uh, he plays bass for Typecast. Literally, like right after John played, he just like yelled. He's like, "Yo, so Queensway's playing next?" And I was like, out of it at that point. I was like, kind of trying to decompress from everything, because like that was the first adrenaline show. You know what I mean? Like I was super stoked. Yeah. And everyone kind of like surrounded me and was like, "Yo, we're gonna play," and I was like, "Oh, okay." You know what I mean? Like, fuck it. And then we just like did a quick set, but it was cool. It was definitely a weird show because it was like last minute in this weird fucking venue. It was super small. It was sick. It was definitely sick. Hell yeah, I know. I'm. It's definitely a cool story to tell that um, your friends and and another awesome band hit you guys up and wanted to be there for you guys for a show i i think that's cool yeah. how that was all able to work out yeah i mean like i said we're super grateful and i love those guys to death like absolutely so it, it was an awesome time oh yeah I, I remember when the um the ep dropped and um, people were blasting it all over uh twitter and there's you know, I, I follow like a bunch of people in hardcore, obviously, because um, I've uh, that's what I love. So I, I see records getting posted um, here and there, and I'm just like, okay, like I'll check it out eventually. But um, when your guys' EP came out, like literally, like everybody was posting it, and and I'm not gonna lie, like a lot of the times people just like to overhype stuff. So I was just like, huh? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I was like should I check that out? And I was like, I'm going through the day and like, I just kept seeing it. So I was like, all right, fuck. I was like, I'm just going to check it out. And I was happy that I did because it was, um, well-deserved, uh, you know, the reaction that I was getting from everybody that I follow and, um, you know, people just retweeting it. And I was just wondering like the day it dropped, like what kind of reaction, um, were you getting from your friends or just like random people on social media? So, Okay. I'm trying to think how to word it because I have a it's like I'm on both ends of it so on one end I'm like blown away because it's it's sick like I love that people love it and I love that people are reaching out like I'm stoked that you even hit me up to do this you know what I mean like things like that and I love that we have all this shit like we have so much stuff planned and set up for adrenaline it's amazing um but it's kind of it's just crazy because like I don't know like for us the band was never like I said it wasn't really a conceptualized product outside of just being like we just wanted a band that sounded like certain bands you know what i mean like we, we were like we love these bands let's make it sound punk let's make it sound hardcore let's put it into that world because that's where we live so that's kind of all that the the initial creation of it was so for that like response and for people to be sharing it's where they are is just great and it, it couldn't be more thankful and then, like I said, so once the whole flat spot thing happened, getting their endorsement, that was really when the first, like, I guess, excitement hit for me. Cause I was like, oh shit, this is like, we could, we could really like, you know, like put some shit together and make this a real thing. So then that's, you know, that was naturally our next step. So like, once we kind of like, like I said, like I've started working on a ton of designs and getting all the promo stuff set up and kind of like really culminating it is what it is like the energy and the vibe of this band. We kind of like get all that set up and it's, it's crazy. I don't know. It's, I'm at a loss for words at times talking about it. Cause I have such a deep connection to it now. And I I'm grateful for all the, for the reaction that we got. Cause it, it does seem like we're getting a good reaction. Like our first show, it was kind of nuts to see just like people going off. Like the only song that was out at that point was masked out. And like, you know, we had people like singing along and moshing the whole set. And it was just like, 
like we played the whole EP that show and we had people like moshing the entire set. You know what I mean? It's like brand new songs that no one's even heard yet. And then our, our second show was the day after the record dropped. And again, like a, it was an awesome reaction. Like the day the record came out or it was the day after the record came out, but people were singing along with me the whole time. Like shit like that's crazy. Cause I definitely, in my head, it's like this band's just going to be like this chill Baltimore band. You know what I mean? But it's already turned into like more than that. Cause we already have like tours set up and, things beyond just our region you know what i mean hell yeah that's that's definitely a cool thing but i was um wondering you've never um fronted a band before right no i have not so i'm uh playing uh, your first and second show were there any um like nerves or, or like were you had um, nervous at all um okay so the first show i think i was more anxious about the entire night itself rather than just my personal set because again like the venue that we put it at we got that locked in like the day before i think you know maybe not a day before but like a couple days before and leading up to it almost every single day so the show we basically got it set up like a week ahead of time and literally every single day there was something else that happened where it was like it the show went from happening to not happening to happening to not happening over and over again. So like once we finally got there, I was kind of at that point, I was just like, I'm just fucking happy I'm even in this room right now. You know what I mean? So like that's all I was really thinking about. And then when we played, I just remember, I, I wasn't really, I wouldn't say I was nervous. I don't really get nervous because I feel like it's super natural to me, like just playing music. I would definitely say I was anxious though. I mean, I was definitely anxious because it's like, it's a new thing. You know what I mean? Like, no, I don't care who you are. You do something new you're going to be anxious. So you're going to have nerves about it. But I wouldn't say nervous to the point where it was like interrupting anything. The second show, I think I, I, I mean, I definitely think the second show, I wasn't nervous at all. Like I was like, I was feeling it. You know what I mean? Like I was like fucking around, like throwing shit around and kind of just dancing the whole time. But um, yeah, definitely not super nervous. If anything, I'm more nervous for, we have a show this Monday in Philly I'm more nervous for that than I was those two shows combined. And why are you more, more nervous for the show on Monday? I think it has something to do with the fact that like everyone that's playing other than, okay. So Simulacra is playing and those guys are like good friends of ours, okay. but all the other bands, I think I know anybody. So it's like, it's that, you know what I mean? It's like the unknown, like not knowing anyone other than like Bob who booked a show. Like obviously I know Bob, but like everyone else, it's like, you know what I mean? It's just like, a, it's a new world, kind of. Like, the bands that we're playing with are incredible fucking bands. Like, they're amazing bands. But it's, again, it's just, it's it's new people. It's a new energy, you know? So it's like, that's what I'm more nervous about. And then performing in front of people that you don't know, like, that is where my nerves come from, rather than, like, a show where we play with Vane and a show where we play with Tightcast and Low End. Because, again, like, those guys are all, like, my, like, brothers. Like, they're close friends of mine. So like I don't I wouldn't be nervous to do anything in front of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a like a new crowd. You're, you're just like so many like exactly. question marks, wondering if um, right. Philly is gonna um, be receptive to the new music. Exactly. Yeah. So there, that's that would exactly be how I feel. Yeah, um, but I think it's part of the fun too because it's just like you oh, know, um, like how many times like you know is that gonna happen? Because like once you tour or once you guys get bigger, you know, like those feelings aren't really gonna be there. 
Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I cherish it. I'm, and I'm excited. I'm very excited for the show in Philly. For sure. Like, it's a, like I'm grateful for it. Again, like, that's, like, what it comes down to. I'm really grateful for a lot of the opportunities that we get. And um, whether it's a new world or not, you know, it's, it's an awesome thing. Yeah. And um, that show on Monday, that's just, like, a show that just got put together. That's not off of anybody's tour, right? I think Method of Doubt and True Form. I want to say those two got, like, those bands are touring. Okay. And then um, Fixation and uh, Choice to Make are both, like, Pennsylvania-based bands, and and so is Simulacra. So, okay. like, those, I think those are, like, the local support, and then True Form and Method of Doubt are the touring bands, and then, obviously, us, we're, we're, I wouldn't really call us, we're not a touring band, but we're also not necessarily, like, a local to Philly, you know? Yeah. And how long is that drive for you guys from Baltimore? I haven't even looked, but it's probably, I'd say, like, anywhere between an hour and a half to two hours. Okay, so it's still, like, not, it's, it's like, crazy... Between, no, nothing. No, not at all. We're good. And um, you mentioned that you guys, for Adrenaline, you guys have stuff planned. Um, is there anything you can talk about? Um, well, I know one thing that's been announced, which is until the end of October, but there's a uh, there's a music fest. It's, uh, what is it? It still won't break. And I think it's the first year. Oh, yeah. I think it's the first year. Yeah. Um, Nate from Choice to Make is uh is putting that together, and they asked us to play, and you know it's gonna be awesome. I love Wilkes Bar. The it's got its own little scene out there. Like again, like with the whole scenes having their little subsidiaries to it, it's got its own thing out there, and I'm really stoked to play there. Yeah, that actually completely slipped my mind. Nate's a um an actual friend of mine. Him and I talk all the time. So I, oh, nice. yeah, so I, I saw that you guys were on that flyer and it's a solid lineup. I, I'm stoked for um, Wilkes-Barre to have something cool like that going on um, in October. Yeah. And that's like, it's kind of surprising that this is the first year. I feel like, like Wilkes-Barre has always had it. They've always had it going on. So it's, I don't know. I mean, I guess if this is the time to do it, then do it. But it's definitely surprising because you would think they would have already been doing cool shit like that. Yeah. I I don't feel like there's been too big of a lull. Like obviously people are always asking like, where's title yeah. fight, but, yeah, um, yeah. but they've definitely always had cool bands uh, constantly and doing stuff from that area. Right. For sure. I guess I just meant more on like the, the fest side of things, you know, bringing people out from other scenes into that because that's like one of the reasons why philly is as big as it is anyway you know like without without a festival like this is hardcore so many people wouldn't just go to philly for shows you feel me so it's like the scene the, like the, the the festivals are really what brings people to your scene during the off seasons of it too Having yeah pop and then you can be a huge band at a certain area but it don't necessarily mean you're gonna get a ton of people traveling yeah all for the sure time. like you do you do but it's not the same it's definitely not in my entire life, I don't think I've ever um, flown like to another state to go to, to just a normal show. I'm pretty sure it's always yeah, been for like a festival. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, well, I'm I'm hoping uh, you know in October that uh, fest goes really well and um, they continue to have more of them. 
Yeah, for sure. Definitely. But um, so let me think. Other things that Jalen's got planned. So other stuff that we have planned isn't announced yet, so I don't want to put too much details out there just in case because, you know, like shit can always change. But I know we have, like, we have two – we have two fairly regional tours that are um, going to be announced within the next couple of months. Um, and, and we have like other shows, like again, regional stuff. So Northeast, Midwest-ish, kind of touching all those areas. I'm just curious about West Coast. <laughs> West, dude, I want to come to West Coast so bad. I like... I feel like adrenaline would do well out there, especially because, like, I don't know, I just, we have a ton of friends out there, so it'd just be really cool. I think we're going to just um, kind of, like, what we got planned right now, we're going to kind of roll with that and see where everything kind of goes. And if we can get something set up to where it makes sense for us to do, like, something bigger, we would definitely do it. I don't really think – I mean, I'm not against flying, like, out to the West Coast just to do a West Coast run but I'm way too big of a fan of Midwest and like even like Southern States hardcore scene to not just play all them on the way out there. You know, it's so crazy how like unappreciative, I don't want to say unappreciative because that's like, I guess that's like really not the right word, but like, it's like underrated the Midwest and like even, even some parts of Texas, like, all those scenes, like even Vegas, man. Like I'm just thinking back to like when we were touring and like playing all these like little scenes that we would, would not have ever thought would have been as crazy as they were. And it's like, damn, bro. Like I want to get back out there, like those places, because those kids are fucking psychos. A kid like threw himself through a window during like a Queensway set once, and, like was bleeding, and he just like looked at me and was like, dude, I jumped through a set during, or I jumped through the window during your set. I was like, that's fucking nuts. Are you okay? And he was like, yeah. And he just like walked away. You know what I mean? Like, it's like things like that is like crazy. And I, I'm trying to play fucking like those spots. I feel like um, these days, like it's not um, super common to, um, or for bands to do like a full US tour. Like bands still do it, but I feel like it's um, still not, as common as it used to be because I, I, I used to get like so excited seeing bands announce um, full US's but then I feel like more recently bands just started doing things regionally right yeah well because if you do it regionally it definitely makes more sense timing wise because you know a lot of people like they're they're working you know they got things that they got to do and like a lot of people again kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the conversation you know, with some people, like, they're playing bands, and it is just a hardcore band, and it is, like, you know, like, work and their family life and all that stuff is what comes first because that's shit that's already established in their lives, so it's not as easy for them to kind of, like, you know, cancel a whole month of their life to go fucking make, like, no money on the whole tour. You know what I mean? So it's, like, it's definitely not as accessible. But where I am and where everyone else in Adrenaline is, we're definitely in a position right now where I feel like we could just you know drop shit and kind of fucking hit a full us you know what i mean like like real boots on the ground kind of shit like to spread the name rather than just do the, the regional shit and then you know be big on the coast and then kind of like play festivals and stuff like again like the the inception of adrenaline we never really expected to feel the way we do or to like push it the way that we see ourselves pushing it but with the support we've gotten with the eyes that have like with the eyes that are on it and the, and the people we've met that see it the way we do 
it, it's inspiring us to want to push it further and do more with it. So for us, you know, a full U.S. is way more in our cards than to drop shit and just fly to, uh, you know, fly to L.A. and then do like eight shows in the surrounding area, you know, and then come home. Like we'd rather just tour. I think that's awesome. I, I I think it's cool that you respect all the scenes. I'm really stoked that you mentioned Las Vegas. I actually used to go to Las Vegas um, a lot, like in the early 2000s, um, which sounds weird, but um, they used to have bands like Winch Mob, Folsom, uh, Misericordium, mm-hmm. and I made a lot of friends that I still talk to to this day. And um, actually, some of them are, are the guys who are booking most of the shows out in Vegas, like right now. So, like, I'm uh, yeah. just like very stoked and happy to hear that you mentioned that scene because I feel like yeah. they, they do get overlooked. Like, they're so close to um, California, and not a lot of people like recognize them. And there's like a group of guys out there that are doing awesome work booking shows and even um, doing bands. So there's like some awesome underrated bands from Las Vegas right now. Yeah, exactly. And there's like, I could go on and on, man, about like these like little fucking scenes that exist. And I don't even want to say little scenes, like it's a disservice to them. Because like you said, they're putting in hard work and the scenes are bigger than people think. Like even Yuma, like, are you kidding me? Like what they're doing in Yuma is incredible. Like in that fucking concrete slab in the desert. Yeah, it's like hot as fuck. And obviously it's not the most ideal shit, but those shows are crazy. And like hella people show up. So it's like, that's the, that. Those are the scenes that I want to put on for, you know, like there's this, there's another one, El Paso, Texas. They've got shit that they're trying to get going. Uh, Vane and Queensway did like an off show there on the harm's way tour. And like, literally like probably 50 people showed up maybe, you know what I mean? But like, they all were super appreciative of us coming out and we met a lot of great people and everyone was like, yo, like, I hope y'all come back. Like we need this. This is what we need. Blah, 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 blah. So it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I get inspired by. And those are the kind of places that I want to be around. It's pretty crazy that you mentioned Yuma because I have like a weird connection to that scene too. Um, did you guys, um, like Queensway, you guys played in Yuma? Yeah, I I mean, I'm guessing that's where it is. I, I really don't remember the exact name, but it was outside. It was at like a park. Yeah, it was I like... I don't know if it was people, what uh, we were doing. Okay, yeah, because I'm pretty sure I'm. Uh, then you have to, or somebody had to deal with my buddy Jeff. He's the guy who probably put it on, Jeff Yuma. Oh, then yeah, exactly. That's exactly him. Okay. Do you want to hear a funny story about my old hardcore oh, band that played there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this is like, want to say like 2008 or 2009 ish. And um, Yuma, they don't um, deal with uh, daylight savings. So. Jeff booked my hardcore band um, on a show um, out there at Prison Hill. It was um, headlined by Death Before Dishonor, and I can't remember who else played. But mm-hmm. my band, we're all idiots, and we forgot that um, Yuma doesn't deal with the time change. So we're like on our way down to Arizona, and Jeff calls me, and he's like, "Yo, like, where are you?" And I told him, "I'm like, dude, we're on the way to the show. Like, what's up?" And he told me, "He's like, dude, you guys are late. Like, did you forget about the time change? Like, we don't do it down here." And I was like, fuck. I was like, shit. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I totally forgot. And he's like, all right. He's like, well, he's like, come down. But like, you guys have to headline. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Death Before Dishonor is on a tour. Like, we can't keep them here because um, you guys are late. So just come down and we'll make the best of it. So I was like, all right. Can't be that bad. So like, we're literally pulling up to the show. 
we like unload our gear and I'm not even kidding. Everybody at the show left. The only people who stayed were death before dishonor. Obviously my band, cause we had to play Jeff and right. like two of our friends. So my band played like a six song set to death before dishonor who were nice enough to stick around, but they were just off to the side, kind of just watching. And then like, there was just two of our friends moshing. It was, it was so like ridiculous and I, I felt yeah. so dumb. Like, but I, I wasn't going to not play the show cause Jeff booked us. Right. Exactly. Dude, that, that is a hilarious fucking story. Honestly, you show up to the show late, you play after death with Fort Honor, everyone bounces. So you're just like in this fucking desert outside, just jamming to them. That's hilarious. Yeah. And I, I and I don't think Deathboard Sonner really liked my band, but they like stayed afterwards and they're like, hey, good job. And I was just like, wow. I, was yeah. like, I feel like they, they said that because they felt bad for us because literally everybody left. Right. See, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. But Jeff is um, super great. And it's crazy that um, he books those shows. And, um, you know, people yeah. give him money for the shows because it's literally outdoors at like a normal park where people can just show up and not pay. Yeah, right, exactly. That's why, that's why I was like, well, not that that I was worried about, but I was like, when we showed up, I was like, wait, are we really fucking, are we playing here? Like right here is where we're playing. Cause I didn't know that you could just do that. I knew you just show up to a park and just set up shit and just rock and like fucking go. So I was yeah. like, what the hell is happening? I was like, oh, I was so lost, but it was sick. It was fun. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys were able to have a good time down there. And I think it's cool. Like hearing you mention um, Yuma just uh, has me stoked because Jeff does like work really hard to put all that stuff together. For sure. Okay. Well, um, before we started the podcast, um, you mentioned that you used to play video games. Yeah. I mean, I still play video games. I, I definitely, when I, so when I said that I was referring to like, like gaming on my computer because okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go through phases and like right now my phase is just smash that's all i've been playing and like maybe pokemon go you know what i mean like shit like that but like that pokemon go is not a game mobile gamers aren't gamers but like when i'm on my computer i used to play like counter-strike league of legends fucking what else i feel like those like the biggest games i was in oh like overwatch shit like that Okay, you know I'm I I game on my PC, but I I I grew up as like a console gamer, so I I could never get down the keyboard and mouse. So like oh, right. yeah, so right now like I I mainly play games on my PC. Like I I play Mortal Kombat 11. I play Apex, oh, I but I use a controller. Wait, so you're are you playing Apex with a controller? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I just, oh, I cause like my, my hands aren't, um, uh, you know, uh, ready to use keyboard and mouse. Cause like just the, yeah. um, the motions, like having to like reach over with like my ring finger to hold down the run button. Like it's just, my hands aren't comfortable doing that. And I, I just get like real right. like antsy. I so, um, mm-hmm. I, I just pick up the controller cause it's like way easier for me. Right. I definitely, I mean, I, I started off on a console and then like, I don't remember, I think Counter-Strike Source and like Team Fortress, Left 4 Dead, like the first one, Half-Life, Portal, like the Valve games. Um, when those came out, when I was, I don't remember how old I was, but when those came out, I had a computer that could play all of them. So I would play all that all the time. Like, like that was it. I would go home, I would go to school, 
go off school, meet all my friends, we'd get on and fucking play one of all those games. You know what I mean? So for me, I had kind of gotten into the keyboard and mouse thing at the right time. So now when I, whenever I want to play anything, I would prefer to play on my PC. I mean, fighting games, obviously. I'd rather just do console. But, I mean, the Mortal Kombat, I guess, if it, if it runs better on your PC, then, you know, obviously play that. So, Apex, I didn't get down with. I don't, I don't really, like, this BR thing that's going on is very strange to me. Because H1Z1 was okay to me. It was fun. Uh-huh. Fortnite's sick. And then Fortnite just became trash. And then, like, oh, there's all these games that are just, like, they have to cash on this BR thing. So it's like everyone's doing it. So for me, it's like I'm over it at that point. You know what I mean? I definitely feel you on that. Um, for me, like I sucked at Fortnite. I, I could not get the building aspect down. I never played um, H1Z1, never played PUBG. Um, but uh, when I, Apex came out, it was like kind of cool because it was like, you know, they had like the, like a hero shooter aspect. Um, yeah. But yeah. with, uh, you know, Battle Royale elements and i was like okay i was like this is like definitely like the perfect medium for me to play um battle royale but exactly uh but but if i prefer to shooter um i really like um i i think overwatch is awesome or i'm, I'm really into gears of war oh hell yeah dude i didn't even think i didn't i didn't even think about mentioning those games but like i definitely know that that's those are the games that we all kind of like obsessed with Halo 3, Gears of War, Call of Duty 4, and Modern Warfare 2. Like, those games were the games when we were all, like, in middle school, high school. Yeah, I remember just sitting in just, like, party chat for Modern Warfare and just, like, it being, like, the time of our lives. Oh, yeah. And it was the most toxic shit in the fucking planet. Yeah. And everyone was just living. That's awesome. Um, So, you say right now, like, you're currently playing Smash. Um, yeah. Who's your the- main character? I kind of float between Donkey Kong and um, like Sonic sometimes and Cloud. So mainly, you know, it's mainly Cloud and Donkey Kong. I kind of go back and forth between those two. Okay, that's. Um, and is there any particular reason? Do you just like their um, play style, or are you like a fan of the characters? Well, it's, def- it's definitely the play style. But like when I so when I play, I played Melee a little bit, and I played Donkey Kong then. But I also am just like I love Donkey Kong. He's just hilarious as a character to me. He's just funny. I grew up, like, I remember watching the stupid-ass Donkey Kong cartoon and knowing it was bad, but just, like, losing my mind to it as, like, a child. Mm-hmm. And, like, I carry that with me. So it's, like, I'll, I play him. And same with Sonic. Sonic had, like, a really shitty cartoon, too. I definitely and, do remember yeah, I that. Played, oh, my God, yeah. And I remember playing Sonic so much as a kid. Sonic's, like, this weird thing now, though, where I feel like people, like, don't like it. And people are always just trashing it because there's so many bad Sonics. And obviously with this Sonic movie nonsense, like there's so many reasons to trash Sonic, but like some of the games are kind of sick, like the earlier games, obviously. Dude, I had a Sega and I got Sonic 3 and then I remember my mom bought me, it was a extra cartridge that you'd put the main cartridge in to get Knuckles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I I, I think Sonic's like, awesome. Moments like that, you're really just like blown away. You're like, whoa, wait a minute, that's how I get it. And it's just like, you know what I mean? Like little things like that you get so attached to, especially as a kid with games. So uh, uh, outside of uh, Switch, do you own a PS4 or Xbox? Yeah, PS4. I think the only games I have for my PS4 is like Dragon Ball Fighters. Like that's it. Wow. Did you get the PS4 just for that? 
No, dude. I, I got my PS4 forever ago, and uh, I think I got it for the Resident Evil 7, like when they made that. Okay. Because I don't, like I said, like console games, I kind of don't play unless I have a reason to. So when Resident Evil 7 came out, I was like, yeah, well, I need a console. I got to play this. Like, I love Resident Evil. So I was like, fuck it. And then um, it kind of just, it just sat there. Like, I like didn't really play it. And then I, I played Fortnite for a little bit on the console because like, I don't know, like I like the, the access of console gaming. You know what I mean? So like I would play Fortnite a little bit on that, but mainly on my PC. And that was really it. And then any fighting games, like Mortal Kombat, when Mortal Kombat uh, X and like XL, when they did those, I played those a ton. That's pretty much it. Okay. And other than Smash on your Switch, do you own anything else? Oh, yeah. Like uh, Mario Odyssey. And I still have to get Zelda, which I can't believe I still have not played it. And they've already announced a new one. But like, I still got to get it because I know I want it. And games like Xenoblade are probably sick. Yeah, I don't know. Like whatever, whatever I end up, like falls on my radar i'll end up getting okay yeah but i'm definitely i'm still in smash mode like 100 percent. plus with all the shit that's coming up like we're gonna be touring a ton so it's like that's all i'm gonna be playing because me and everyone and everyone in adrenaline like we all play smash kind of so like it's that's all it's gonna be it's just us fucking gaming so now does everybody have their own switch or are you guys just gonna be gaming on the one that you're gonna bring uh, I think three of us, no, four of us, four of us have our own and there's only five of us in the band. So we'll figure it out. We, in, in, in our van, we have like a, we have like a setup with a, with a, a monitor and like a console. So like before it would be a monitor and our PS4 and we would play Dragon Ball, the fighters. Okay. We would play that every single day. Like we would play a set and just fucking go play the whole time. Like that was like the harm's way tour for us. And, and you know, um, oh, wait, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and then I know now it's going to be the same thing, but it's going to be Smash instead. I was looking at your Twitter, and I noticed that you um, uh, retweeted uh, uh, L.I. Joe. Oh, yeah, I love him. Love that dude to death. He beat my ass in Dragon Ball because he's obviously a fucking king. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember playing him, and he's like, I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm still hurt over it. So um, I, I was just curious about it. what's the relationship there. Um, how do you know him? Um, let me think. Honestly, I don't remember how I met him. I met him. I think we just met online. You know what I mean? And like, he he was like, he was like he loves Vane. He fucking loves Vane. He travels with them now and shit. And I think I met him through them. But he also really loves Queensway. So it was like. I think it was like he fell in love with Queensway through Vane probably. And since like Queensway and Vane have such a tight connection, it was like super easy for me to end up meeting him. You know what I mean? So like I remember the first time we actually hung out, I want to say we were in Brooklyn and we kind of like just, hung, we just chilled, got food, played games for a bit and just hung out at a show. But yeah, I think that's it. I don't remember how else I met him. Had it been that way. Okay. That's cool. We have a shared all combat, so that's probably how that happened. Yeah, for, for me, I I find it interesting because um, I'm like a fan of uh, his from what he's done in uh, Street Fighter, and I I follow him on Twitter and just um, seeing him uh, start talking about like hardcore bands that I'm familiar with. It, it was just like a it was like my like you know two like different worlds colliding, which I thought was cool. 
Yeah, exactly. That's what's so awesome about him. He reps hardcore like, like it's no, like it's just his life. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing to it. It's no gimmick. It's nothing. He loves it. He loves gaming, and that's his life. And it's it's really cool to see. And I think there's a huge, um, there is a huge crossover of that, especially in hardcore. And I don't know if it's always been like that. I'm not really sure. Because I remember when I first started going to shows and stuff, no one really like openly talked about it as much as we do now. But also, I don't know if that's just because my friend group has gotten more specific to that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Because if there are like legit gamers, um, I'm trying to find some people that actually know how to play Street Fighter. I'm trying to get better. <laughs> yeah, see, I tried to play Street Fighter, but when I was being taught how to play, I was being taught on a fight stick and that I've never played on a fight stick. So I was just set up for failure right away. It's um, definitely like a, um, a transition. Cause like um, when I was younger, I, I used to love going to the arcade and I used to suck like really bad because I was like way younger and didn't have a lot of money right. to play to get good. Um, so over the years, I got older, able to afford stuff. So I bought a fight stick and actually just like kind of taught myself how to play on it. Yeah. Do you, do you see a difference playing on a fight stick? Like do you actually like the fight stick over a controller? Yeah. Um, for me, I, I don't know if it's just my mind playing tricks on me, but I feel um, I'm way more accurate with my inputs on a fight stick. I see. Um, but it's more I, specific. yeah, I, I wish I could play on pad cause five sticks are so expensive. Yeah, I know they're definitely expensive. I'm definitely just, I'm, I'm just going to stick to the controller. I have, no, I have no other reason to go to a five stick for sure. Um, so what's your favorite video game of all time? Ooh, that's a good one. So if I, damn, I got to pick one. I'm trying to think like, what would like one game be that I remember? my favorite all time because i separate things from like online versus like the story mode versus all that okay but if i had to pick one okay so if i had to pick one game but i'm going to include all that so it's like a little bit of all the things that the game has offered okay i would probably say halo 3 halo right. 3 for me was such a huge deal. i mean 2 and 3 but i think 3 mainly because that was the game that had the biggest social um like it was also socially a big deal within my friend group because i like i remember that was the game i play all the time online it was it it was halo 3 that's awesome uh that's a good pick that's like one of the best halos to ever come out yeah i agree i think there's a lot of people who will make the argument that two because two was like revolutionary but i think three is where they figured it out yeah they're able to like fine-tune everything exactly and the maps i think were Again, I, I feel like I know so many people that would want to argue me right now, but I really do think <laughs> 3 was the Because, like, I always get in this conversation all the time. But I think Halo, like, I don't know, man. Halo 3, it's just legendary. Master Chief is a fucking badass. So it's just like, ah, oh, I love it. I, I'm about to, like, revisit all the Halo games now. I was going to ask you, did you play the most recent one, the one that got, like, a lot of flack that people didn't really like? No, not at all. I think the last Halo I played was, like, it was either Reach or ODST. I don't remember which one was the latter one, but whichever one of those was the last one between the two was the last one I played. Okay. Because after three, it kind of just like, I, it probably went three ODST then Reach, I think. Because I think ODST was like, it was like, um, what is it called? Like a, it, like a spinoff or some shit? Because the Master Chief wasn't even in it, I don't think. 
but then Reach, I think, had them. I don't remember, man. But whichever one of those was the last one is the one I played. Were you ever a fan of Halo Wars? Um, no, I didn't really play it. Okay. Yeah, I, I was never really into like those. Um, they call them like MOBAs. Yeah. Well, so a MOBA is it like a MOBA like, like what kind of MOBA? Are we talking like League of Legends style, or are you talking like? No, I think it was more like StarCraft. Oh yeah, see, no, definitely not playing anything like that. Yeah, I I never really got into League of Legends, but that was like insanely oh, popular. It's awesome. I'm I'm I've been meaning to get back into it because a ton of mutuals and like friends of mine are playing, and I've been like putting it off. But I know as soon as I play it again, my life would change because I get so obsessed with games. Like I'll find a game I like, and it becomes my life for however long it has my attention for. And League is one of those games where you just get so involved because the games are so long and you get, you just, you just want to get better because it's such a technical game and you just constantly get better at the champ you pick or just the role you're playing. So you just fucking, you'll spend hours and hours and hours just playing the game, just to figure out who you want to play. You know what I mean? And like that can all change the next day when it's like, Oh, well I'm going to do a different role. It's a weird game. Yeah. I, I feel like this, um, like, like, I'm not like addicted to anything, but when I play games like World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy 14, I go crazy and like that's all I want to do because yeah, like sleeping, yeah, yeah. There was just like a weird period in my life where I would work like my shift. I would go home and I would literally play World of Warcraft with my buddy who lived across town. We would literally play for like four or five hours, take a break, meet up for dinner, then go home and jump right back on. And we would just continue to play to the end of the night. And I literally That's did that sick. for like, seriously, I did that for like half a year. And then I ended up moving and my um, roommate was like, yo, like you got to kind of get out of the, the apartment. This is kind of sick to see you sit here all day. Like you need friends, like stop. Um, <laughs> Dude, that sucks. Fuck off. I, I I wanted to, but at the same time, I was like, uh, I was like, I guess, like we did move to this new town. I, I guess I should like be a little more social. Um, so I, I like took a break from it, and then like I jumped into Final Fantasy fourteen and kind of did the same thing all over again. And I was like, okay, I need to kind of take a break from these kinds of games because these definitely consume my life, and I'm okay with it because it's just so fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they definitely. Dude, I, I tried to play WoW for a while, but that, like, again, that shit, it takes over, and it's all I think about, and then I have to just stop. Yeah, I definitely understand that. I, I feel like in the future, because, like, have you ever, like, experienced, um, like, VR? Um. Yeah, so, yes and no. Not on the level that it is right now. Like, the level it's already on right now is further than what I experienced when I had, like, years ago. Okay, there's this. Um, so I'm like a huge uh, like Disney fan. So I, I I go to like Disney all the time, and there's this place in downtown Disney called the, the Void, which is probably like the most like advanced VR that I've ever experienced. Like you literally put on like a backpack, goggles, and then they give you um or like you pick up um eventually in the mission like a makeshift gun. 
and it's like a pretty advanced experience because like um like they put you in like a giant room like you actually like experience like you know um physical touch of like you know pushing buttons to open doors that you actually oh, so walk like through yeah, yeah and i got you that's cool yeah and it was like really immersive but for some weird reason like i i had this thing where like i didn't like that i, I couldn't see my legs so that, oh yeah 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 so so it, it was strange so I couldn't like, you know, fully like, you know, put myself in the experience because I knew that I couldn't see my legs. And I, I feel like it, in the future, if they can figure that out, it would be like super like it, it would feel like way more real. Yeah, I definitely think if I was in the situation to play like an MMO in VR, my life would be different. Like oh, I could see that. Have you ever like played? Um, there's like an old RPG that like came out on like PS2, and there's also like an anime based off of it called Dot Hack. No, I actually I have. There's so there's an RPG game off of that. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, and that's literally what they do is like, um, you basically strap in VR and like you go into the world. Yeah, that's so sick. Yeah, but like if you die in game. Like you actually die in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So honestly, so tight. Yeah, I I would love to experience something like that. Like yeah, you know, set me up. I'll squat up. I'll figure it out. Yeah, I I feel like like let's freaking go. If I I feel yeah, like that would be like the yeah. best experience ever. And then it's over, and then you go back to normal life, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, it's like I, I just had like a giant sword killing dragons. Right, exactly. Now I have to drive to work. That's funny. Um, okay. One last thing I, I wanted to ask you about that we never really touched on um, sure. in uh, too depth, but um, you kind of mentioned that you record music um, in a room, like the room that you're in right now. Yeah. So um, it all, like, again, it started with me, like at the house I grew up in, in Dundalk. I, it was just my bedroom. I have a Mac and I would just buy stuff to kind of make recording possible. It started with just me wanting to write music on my own by like using a drum program and having the tools at my fingertip to kind of like manipulate the guitar sound and everything. So that's kind of where it started. And then it kind of turned into this thing where I would write songs and this is for Queensway. I would write songs and it sounded tight and we were like, Whoa, we could like, you know, just with a few changes, just release it as a demo. Cause like, why does it matter? It's just a demo. So that's kind of how that happened. I've never foresaw it being like this serious thing where I'd want to record bands. I mean, I've always thought about it in the back of my head, but it wasn't anything super serious because right now I still don't really have the resources to do it on the level that I'd want to, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, I have a pretty cool setup the way I have it. I can, flesh out an entire EP in a week if I had all the ideas for it, you know? So it's definitely a cool, a cool setup that I got. I'm and for it. so growing up, did you always have like an aspiration to do music or was it just something that just kind of came along? No. So I, I was pretty much thrown into music from the beginning. Um, my earliest memories were being at concerts as a child, you know, like my dad taking me to shows. There's a, a specific moment that I always bring up that I feel like is probably the reason why I do it. Like I pursue what I've been pursuing. I was five years old and my dad took me to Oddfest. 
Now, this was in 1999. So this is the Ozfest that Slipknot played. Um, they headlined the, the second stage, and this was their first full national U.S., you know, like, big deal tour. And, like, I was five years old, and my dad, like, had me on his shoulders, like, right side stage just watching Slipknot. And it was, like, I, like, can still remember it. You know what I mean? So it's, like, those kind of memories are instilled in my brain. And it's, like, from then I knew, I was, like, oh, shit, like, I want to play guitar or I want to fucking play music. Because my first instrument was actually drums. But I gave that up because I couldn't write music, you know? Like, I mean, there's people that write music on drums, and that's fucking crazy. And it's an incredible talent, but I don't have it. So for me, I had to learn how to play guitar if I wanted to write music. So I just picked up guitar, and I think I played drums from, like, I was, like, five years old. It was, like, right after all this happened. I was five years old, and I was, like, in, like, a talent show playing Kiss on drums. Like, real weird shit. But I think I got my, I got my first guitar when I was 10 years old. But, like, I had a guitar that was, like, laying around the house. But, like, I got my own guitar on my 10th birthday, I remember. And that changed everything. I played guitar pretty much every single day. And just all I did, play guitar, play guitar, play guitar. And then when I realized, like, oh, I could get, like, I could get shit to write music in my house or do this or do this, I did. Like, I have a little brother who plays drums. And he he's always played drums. So he's, like, really – and he was really, really good at drums. And he would actually uh, – he helped me – write a lot of the very early Queensway stuff like well he didn't help write you know what I mean like he was just there like my my drummer for hire essentially like I would be like yo do this do this do this and he would just do it and help me flush things out but once he kind of stopped playing drums that's when I got all my setup so I could kind of do it on my own Hell yeah that's a definitely cool story being that young kid because like we um, definitely see it from time to time. People bring kids to shows and yeah, but it's rare. It's definitely rare. And now when I see it, I'm like, Holy shit, that was me. Like I was that little fucking kid right there. You know what I mean? And that's weird to me. Cause I see it and I'm like, Whoa, like, I don't know. I feel separated from it. Cause I'll see people bring their little kids to the show. And for me, I don't judge it. I don't, it's not like I'm casting any type of judgment. I just see it. And the first thing I think is like, Oh shit, that's me and my dad. You know, I'm like, yo, what? Yeah. It blows my mind. It's weird. Like when I was a kid, it was normal. You know, like it wasn't weird that I was just a little kid at a show. It's like, oh, I'm just here. I'm I'm here to see fucking whatever band it was that my dad took me to see that day. But yeah, it's definitely it's it's cool. I definitely think it's cool, and I think it's important, like as a parent, to kind of include your kid on the shit that you are interested in to see if they are. And I mean, luckily for me, and I guess my dad, I loved it. It was a part of my life, and I was raised in it. So. Well, Jack, I, I think that's a good place to kind of wrap things up. Um, I want to say this has definitely been fun. I, I had like a really good time uh, talking to you about, uh, you know, your life, Queensway, Adrenaline. So I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. And um, and is there anything you want to uh, say or shout out before we wrap things up? Um, Other than... Let's see here, so Queensway, we got new music coming out. Don't know when, but it'll be here. We'll be playing shows again, active as we can be. Changing with a drone. We got a fresh EP out on Flash Spot Records. Same deal. We'll be playing shows when we can. So I hope to see everybody come out to a show. All right. Well, there it is. Um, thank all of you guys for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Always on top. Oh,